Hi, my name is JT on facility staff. You're listening to week three of False Creek Podcast. The speaker of week three was Todd Sanders, and we had 4,883 students in attendance. Enjoy. You guys, let's thank uh, Bailey and the band here for leading us tonight. What a powerful time, time of worship. And um, let's just give a shout of praise to the Lord this evening for what he's done in our lives, what he's doing, and what he will continue to do in our midst. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me um, to the book of John. We're going to be in chapter 15 tonight. And uh, we're looking at uh, tonight the idea of purpose, purpose. Um, The big idea from this passage we want to grab hold of tonight is Jesus is my purpose. Jesus gives me purpose. He gives me a cause. He sends me, he gives me meaning. He gives me purpose. Um, We sang about this idea of a life responding to a holy God and a perfect Savior uh, with our whole lives, right? We sang, uh, it's your breath in our lungs, and so we pour out our praise. Anytime we talk about pouring out our praise and responding in praise, that's not just um, the words of our lips, okay? It's not just with our mouths, but it's our hearts and lives aligned with a holy God, um, and we can respond with our whole life. In him, heart, soul, mind, and strength, giving a life of worship and response, which leads to this, it leads to action, it leads to obedience, it leads to obedience. And so as we think about the idea of purpose tonight, I want you to be challenged and be ready to respond tonight um, to the call of God on your life, to life in him. Um, If you've never given your life to him and trusted him for salvation, or maybe you would consider tonight what more the Lord has for you. Um, And so we're going to break down um, this idea tonight from John chapter 15. So let's just jump in. I'm going to read this passage, um, and then we will uh, pray and we'll get started here. Um, God's word says this, Jesus says to us, I am the true vine. And my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it uh, will even be more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear fruit much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. Verse 10. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have Obey my Father's commands and remain in His love. I have told you this so that your joy may be, or my joy may be complete in you, and that your joy may be complete. My command is this: love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command, love one another. Let's pray together. Father, thanks for this time. 
Uh, we ask that you would guide our hearts in your truth. We open ourselves up to your word tonight, and we just ask that um, you would have your way in this place. God, that if you're calling us to respond tonight, that we would respond. God, I thank you for those young men and young women um, that you will call to new life tonight as they trust you for salvation. And God, we thank you and, and we praise you for what you'll do in advance for those of us tonight that you will challenge to go a step further and what that means for us to really walk in this life you've given us to abide in you, to bear much fruit, and then to ask what else you might have for us tonight. We commit this time to you and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So um, let's talk. How many of you like the movie Toy Story? Anyone? Uh, yeah, Toy Story, great, great film. Um, great series of films. Turn to a neighbor, share your favorite Toy Story movie, okay, so far. Favorite movie, one, two, or three. Now, I want you to share your favorite character, favorite character in a Toy Story movie, all right? Is it Buzz? Is it Woody? Is it Rexy? Who is it? Favorite character? Evil Emperor Zerg. Favorite character? All right. So, how many of you want to see Toy Story 4? It came out today, I believe. It's coming out today. So, it's going to be a good time. So, I love the storyline in Toy Story. This idea, especially in Toy Story 2, and I think it's Stinky Pete, right? He doesn't want to. He wants to go to the museum, remain in the box, and the whole thing is like, what good is a toy if it doesn't have an owner who uses it, right? So it doesn't have a purpose, but this is what we're created for, and so we want to get back to our owner. And so as we think about that tonight, I was thinking about toys, and um, I, I happen to have an inside connection with some toy companies, and I've, I've actually got some toys here that you, you're not going to see on the shelves this coming Christmas. Uh, just due to some parental concern. Can I share those things with you? Can I show you, show you some toys? So here's the first one. Uh, it's the Billy Bob uh, Roadkill craft set. Um, it comes with fake fur, googly eyes, and red paint. You can make your own roadkill. So parents, parents were a little concerned, so they pulled that off the shelves. You won't see that. Um, so how many of you like arts and crafts? You like arts and crafts? Yeah, arts and crafts is a big deal. Um, this is not to be outdone by the, uh, the permanent wall marker set that they were trying to market to little kids, which parents were like, no, 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 we don't want permanent wall marker sets. Um, so, so they took that off the shelves. But here's the other one. It's the I did it myself, like the DIY, right? How many of you like DIY stuff? This is the uh, I did it myself home tattoo and body piercing kit. So... They, not, a, not a popular item with the uh, focus groups of parents. Um, here's another one of my favorite, another arts and crafts thing. This is the make your own puzzle kit, okay? And it comes with its own pen and a real scalpel, okay? You can just draw off a puzzle and, okay. Uh, this is another one. How many of you like uh, Edward Scissorhands? Any, any Johnny Depp fans? Edward Scissorhands. This is the uh, Johnny... This is the Edward Scissorhands doll, okay? So parents were a little concerned about this to toy. Okay, let's move on. This is one of my favorites, the Shark Attack Ken and Barbie. Shark Attack. Shark Attack Ken and Barbie. 
they felt that was a little macabre, right? So a little, little, too, little too intense for the children, for the little ones. Um, how many Avenger fans? Any Avenger fans? Yeah. Okay, turn, turn to a neighbor, share your favorite, uh, was it Infinity War or Endgame? Go. Okay, you share. So, so I've got some Avengers figures. This was a set they thought would take off and be really cool. It was the Infinity War set, two figures, Black Panther and Spider-Man. And uh, this was really cool. So, so parents were like, ah, maybe, maybe not. Too soon? Too soon? Okay. So, so these toys, these toys will never fulfill their purpose, right? Their intended purpose. And listen, what we're talking about tonight we're talking about purpose, right? And, and we're not toying around with this. Because I think what we... Isn't that good? I, I need a dad joke fist bump on that one. Anyone? Mm, that was good. So this is, this is serious stuff. And so what I don't want us to do is hear the word purpose or cause and kind of glaze over because this is what we talk about all the time in church and in youth group, right? We build that up. What I want us to do is maybe set aside... Um, some of our preconceived ideas, and maybe we just open our hearts and mind in a different way tonight. And we would say, God, what do you have to teach us about my purpose and what you have for me and what you've created me for and created me to do? And so as we jump into this passage tonight, um, we're looking at the last in the series of these metaphors that we've been kind of walking through. And we were taking them out of order, but this is actually the seventh of seven. Tomorrow night, we're going to look at an earlier one um, to finish up the week. But these I am statements where God makes a claim on his deity, right? I am God. I am here. I'll always be here. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you experience, where you find yourselves, or what I send you to do, I am with you, he's saying. I am. And then he joins it with a picture of his role in salvation, what he has for us. And so I am Tonight we're looking at I am the true vine and you are the branches. And so what um, does God want to do in our hearts and life um, as a result of who he is and how he reveals himself to us? Listen, because I, th I, th I think this deep down. I think every one of us in the room, we want to matter. I think every one of us in the room, we want to make a difference. I think every one of us in the room, we want to make an impact. I think every one of us in the room wants to live a life of significance. I think everyone in the room wants to be a part of something that's bigger than themselves. And listen, I think if we back up to the first part of the week, I think that's why we run and look for these needs in other places. Because we're trying to feel it, right? We're trying to gain it. We're trying to have this experience. We're trying to have this thing that we so desperately want. And so we look for satisfaction. We look for life. We look for belonging in all these other places just so we can feel something. Just so we can have what God intends and what we can have in the way he created us to be and have in the place that he intended us to have it in, and that's in him. Jesus says, listen, I am the true vine. And tonight we're going to look at this idea from John chapter 15, and we're going to see what God says about Jesus being our cause, about Jesus being our purpose and connecting us with something that's bigger than us. 
Um, so here's the first thing. Let's look. Um, it really in verses 1 and 5, but I want to look at verse 5 specifically. What does he say in the beginning? I am what? The true vine. What we need to understand is um, that even though this cause, right, this purpose originates in the gardener, it's fed by the vine. I am the true vine. What does he say? You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I am the vine. You are the branches. You are an extension of me. Listen, Jesus is my connection. Jesus is my connection. And so as we think tonight, as we, as we uh, zero in on verse 5 here, that's what we're going to start with understanding is Jesus is my connection. Um, we're going to carry it a little further, so let's go to the next thing. Um, Jesus is my connection, but also Jesus cleanses me. He says uh, in verse 3, um, he states, you're already clean because of the word I have spoken to you, right? Jesus cleanses us. Jesus ties us in to the vine in him because he makes us right for the vine. We've talked about this a lot. Maybe in your cabins, you've explored it in any number of different ways. But here's the truth, is that God's made a way for us to be made right in him so we can be connected to Jesus and have a relationship with the Father. So we can be right in relationship with him. We're going to talk more about that in just a moment. But Jesus is my connection. Say connection. Connection. Jesus cleanses me. Listen, um, I have a, I, I do martial arts. Um, and listen, I don't, I don't like to bring it up much. I, I do martial arts, but I'm not a great martial artist. Um, as a matter of fact, I have some fellow um, people in our school, in our system, in the room. Where, where are my uh, ABKA friends? In the room right here? Yeah, right over here. Yeah, right there in the back. Good. Um, and so... Um, the, 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 the guy who started our system, his name's Denny Holzbauer, and years and years ago, um, he challenged me with this thought that he said every day in his journal, he writes at the top, sin is ruinous. Sin is ruinous. But here's what I think. I think when we look at our connection to Jesus, even if we're believers, if we're followers of Christ, and certainly if we're not, I think we lose sight of this fact that sin is ruinous, and the enemy wants to derail us. He wants to take us away from the things of God. And that brings us, this idea brings us to the, the second point here. Not only is Jesus my connection, but we also see in verse 5 that Jesus is my constant. He's my constant. Say connection. Say constant. Uh, let's look in verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. And so when we think about this idea of Jesus being our constant, um, listen, um, we must re abide in him, remain in him. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. But here's also what happens when we remain or abide in Jesus, we avoid sin. And so if we remain and we abide and we stay close to him, then it's much easier for us to see and keep in our vision and be clear on the fact that sin will undo us. But what happens is we drift, we don't abide. And so rather than abide, we drift away from the Lord. We drift away from the Lord. We don't abide naturally. It's not something that is a default uh, position for us. We have to stay with the Lord actively, abiding in him, pursuing this life that we talked about the other night. We have to stay engaged. But what happens is we don't abide, we drift. Here's how that looks. We disengage from the things of faith. And when we disengage from the things of faith, we disregard the things of faith. And when we disregard the things of faith, we disconnect from the things of faith. 
And so when we begin to step back and we're, uh, maybe some of us are, have been at a point where we've even pursued, right? We've been very active in pursuit of the Lord, but we get to the point where um, we slow down and we start to back off that. We disengage from this relationship and what happens is we just become disinterested, right? It becomes less important to us, so we begin to disregard the things of faith. And once we disregard it, it becomes unimportant and we just totally distance ourselves and disconnect from the things of God. And we drift. We drift. So listen, some of you um, tonight, maybe you have Jesus as your connection, but he's not your constant. Because you're not at a place of abiding. You're not at a place, at a place of staying. And you're not at a place of walking in this purpose that God created you for. And so maybe tonight, this week, this is a place of returning for you. Uh, maybe the Lord is working on your heart already, and it's a place of coming back into a close walk with him. I just want to challenge believers in the room with that idea, is Jesus my constant? Or am I disconnected from the things of faith? Have I let sin ruin me? We must kill sin in our lives in order for God to have us at the place that he wants us, in order for us to be at the place that God intended us to be, in order for us to live the life that God has called us to, we must kill sin in our lives. Remain. Abide. So Jesus is my constant. He's my connection. Um, and then the next one is this. Jesus is my cause. Say cause. And listen, the cause is found in the fruit. The cause is found in the fruit. Um, let's look at verse 5, continue on. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will what? Bear much fruit. So like this is the intended purpose, right? It's the, it's the natural outcome in the life of a believer who abides, who stays, who walks in him. If I remain in him, what's going to happen? You will bear much fruit. So there are a couple of challenges for us. One, are we bearing fruit? And then, if we're not bearing fruit... We should ask ourselves the question, are we connected to the vine? Because if we're connected and abiding and we belong to the Lord, the natural default position is what? That we would bear fruit. Not just fruit of any kind, much fruit. That we would produce the things of faith. We would live lives that evidence the things of God. And so are we producing fruit in our lives? Jesus is my cause, and the cause is found in the fruit. Look at verse 8. Let's jump to verse 8. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And so when we bear much fruit, it's evidence that we have this life of Christ in us. And so it would, it would follow suit, right? It would make sense that we could draw that line to the next point, the obvious point, that if I'm not bearing fruit, do I belong to Jesus? Am I his disciple? And so tonight, as we think about this idea of Jesus is my connection and Jesus is being my constant and abiding in him, um, then we understand what flows out of that is Jesus is my cause. Jesus is my purpose. I will bear much fruit. Um, how many of you play sports? Anyone play sports? Sports ball people? Um, I'm not the best sports ball people. I, okay, you put your hands down. That's great. Um, so, uh, but when I moved to Davis, I, I grew up in Davis, Oklahoma, just right down the hill for most of the time I was growing up, about nine years, so I consider that home. And when you come to Davis, there's really one sport that is important. It's not baseball. It's not basketball. It's not cross country. 
It's football, okay? Now listen, that's not the case everywhere, and I'm not voting football over all other sports. I think there's some great sports, but when you're in Davis, that's just written into your DNA, right? It's just what you do. So I moved into Davis in the fifth grade. I go play football. Never done anything like that before. I was not a sports ball person before, not longer, no longer really a sports ball person now, okay? And so, but I played football, all right? And so uh, thinking about this um, idea of, of our purpose and God being our cause, Jesus being our cause, I was thinking about this idea. Heard a sermon recently, and he used this illustration, and I think it's a great illustration for us that we practice to play. We don't practice to sit on the bench. We don't practice to think about playing. We practice to get to the point where we say, put me in, coach, and we step onto the field, and we play the game. We play the game. We put it on the line. We don't train to think about it. We don't train to pretend. We train to fight, right? And so we step into the ring. We step onto the field. We step onto the court, and we play. That's what we're intended to do. Now, we had this, uh, uh, this thing we did as upperclassmen. We would have freshmen. That we, this, was hor- this was horrible. I shouldn't tell you this. But um, we would stand down the line if, if they were working in subs, and we would be down there, upperclassmen, and we'd go up to a freshman and go, hey, coach said go in. And the kid would take off the sidelines. Until the point where we just would reach far enough and grab them back by their shirt or their pads um, so they didn't, like, run all the way out on the field, all right? And so eager beavers, right? They were just ready to go, ready to go, ready to go. Hey, coach, put me in. And they would just bolt out there, right, without even asking, and we'd pull them back, right? This is what happens in our life. We're, we're ready, or at least we think we're ready, and we want to go in, we want to go in, want to go in. But when we bolt out there to go in, something pulls us back. And something keeps us from fulfilling our purpose. Something keeps us from fulfilling the cause and participating. And so we may say we're eager, but we miss opportunities to play. And so we train to fight. We practice to play. And we might be saying, put me in, coach. And listen, we know here from this passage, Jesus is my cause. The, the, the cause is found in the fruit. He, he who abides in Christ will bear much fruit. We say, put me in, coach. And I'm saying this, he already has. He already has. If you have Christ in your life, if the Holy Spirit, because of Jesus, dwells in you, he has given you the world as far as cause is concerned. He's given you the greatest cause in the world, and that's to reach people with the gospel and impact eternity. Yet we're just looking for an excuse. Coach, put me in. Coach, put me in. Coach, put me in. I'm looking for an opportunity. And students, listen, he has. He's already given you the go, and he's not pulling you back. He's given you an opportunity to follow through on this purpose. Jesus is our connection. Jesus is our constant. Jesus is our cause. In verse 8, what we see here is this is to the Father's glory that we bear much fruit. It shows that we're his disciples. There's confirmation in our fulfilling the cause. There's confirmation of our faith in following through on the purpose that God intended us to serve as his children. The next thing in this verse, let's look at verse 5. Jesus is my control. We might put it this way. He's my capability. He's my competent, uh, competence. Um, he's my capacity to, to even do anything of worth when it comes to faith. Look what he says. Um, I am the vine, you're the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit apart from me. You can do what? Nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Listen, Jesus is my control. He's the power 
in my life. And listen, as we grow, as we abide, we grow more, and we see the power of God moving more powerfully, powerfully through our lives, more evidenced in our lives, the Holy Spirit more active and alive. And when we abide, it, it, uh, uh, we grow, and as we grow, we abide, and we see the Holy Spirit alive and active in us, spiritual power working through us. Listen, spiritual, spiritual results or spiritual problems require spiritual work. And I think this is a humbling statement for us. Because I think a lot of times what we do in our faith is we feel really good about our, our talents, skills, gifts, and abilities. To the point that we would think this, God, I'm pretty impressive. Look what I can do, right? And not realizing all the time that the only reason you have one faith and one you have the gifts and abilities that you do have is because a creator God gave it to you. But we try to impress God with what he's already given us. And he's like, yeah, I know. Follow through, obey me. We don't impress him in that way. We can't earn him, we can't impress him. Listen, he is the power, he is our control. He is what controls us embracing this cause and fulfilling our purpose. And so Jesus being our control, we need to understand this, that we need to tie into, tap into the power and the presence of Jesus each and every day. The cause lasts because of Jesus. Um, Let's go back to the commission that Jesus has given the church. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. Um, let's, let's just turn there. Let's look really quickly. If you turn to Matthew chapter 28. A couple of challenges for us in this. So Jesus uh, has uh, been crucified. He's buried. He's, he, 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 he's raised again. Um, he, he raises to new life. Um, he's about to ascend into heaven. And right before that, he gives this great commission, right? He gives a mission to the church. And here's what he says um, in, uh, it says in verse 17, uh, 16, in verse, uh, chapter 28 of Matthew. Uh, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. Okay, so they're following through in obedience. They're going where he said go. Um, then they saw him and they worshiped him. Look what it says, but some doubted. And listen, I know in a group this size, I'm not naive enough to think that everyone in this room is it a place of worship in their lives? That you're ready to give yourself in full obedience? Listen, I pray that it's true, but I know that it's probably not true. And so which category are you in? Are you in the ones that worshiped? But they, they worshiped him, but what? Some doubted. And so how would we respond to this message of, of the good news of Jesus and, and the, the, the news that God has a purpose for us and a cause for us. And he goes on to say, Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then he gives them this commission to make disciples. And he shows us how that's played out, what we're to do, what we're to be about. But making disciples, reaching people with the gospel. Listen, this cause is not just for your pastor or your youth pastor, an ordained minister or a Sunday school teacher. It is for each and every believer for all time and all places. God's given us the charge to go make disciples. So listen, middle school student, high school student, if you're older than that, wink, wink, this message is for you. This command, this commission is for you to make disciples. But Jesus gives us some conditions for us to understand our role in that. He says, first of all, it's by my power and it's through my presence. Because in 18, he says, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to who? To me, he says. And then he reminds us in the end that he is with us always. 
And so it's his power and his presence that bookend um, this mission that he sent us on. So if we ever step outside of that, then we're living in a dangerous place. Because we're either assuming someone else's authority or our own, or we're operating in someone else's power. And that's not the way God wrote it. It's not the way he designed it. He says, rely on me, right? I'm your power. I'm your presence. I'm your control. And let's, uh, let's look at this final point here. Um, let's jump down to verse 17, okay? So Jesus is our connection. Jesus is our constant. Jesus is our cause. Jesus is our control. And Jesus is my command. Look what he says here in verse 17 of John 15. This is my command, what? Love one another. Love one another. Listen, love for Jesus is obedience. He commands us to love each other. And then we need to understand that love is this fruit that will last. It's the only thing that will last. I want to look at a couple of scriptures here. First of all, 2 Peter chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 1 really quickly. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. Um, Peter writes and he gives us this great picture of um, really proving our faith. And he says, if you have faith in Jesus, if you trust in him for salvation, he gives us some things to work on to make sure that we're adding to our faith. And that picture of adding right there is like heaping on our faith. So take your baseline faith in Christ and you add all these things on. How many of you like ice cream? Anyone like ice cream? Listen, when I was a kid, my dad worked in a pizza place called Crystal's Pizza. Many of you may remember Crystal's Pizza. The best thing about Crystal's Pizza was not the pizza, it was the ice cream bar. And they would give you a frosted glass with soft serve ice cream in it. And then there was, uh, to me as a kid, what seemed like 5,000 toppings. And I got two favorite toppings, and it was chocolate syrup and crushed maraschino cherries. And I would heap as much of that stuff on that would that glass would contain until I put my I was probably the dirtiest little kid running around this this restaurant because I would just put that spoon in and it would overflow and it would be everywhere right so I was like a little pig pen picking up trash just as sticking to me just running around just this chocolate little trash guy okay but that's the picture when Peter writes and he says be diligent to add to your faith he's saying heap it on don't stop Without reservation, you keep putting these things on your faith. And he goes through this list, and he wraps up with two. And I think it's great, this picture of moving from inside out, because he focuses on our own lives, and then he moves out, and he talks about relationship. And it says, be sure to add to your faith these things. And he ends up with brotherly kindness and love. A love for the church, a love for all the saints and the fellowship of faith. That's other believers. And then he says this, and love uh, and, then, and then sacrificial love, right? Brotherly kindness and love. It's a sacrificial love that is mirroring the love that Christ showed us. And so when we follow through on Jesus' command, listen, it's to follow through. And that's to say this, I'm going to give my life to those who need my life. I'm going to sacrifice myself for the kingdom like Jesus sacrificed himself for me. This is how I'm going to give my life. Greater love, like Jesus says, has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. This is my command, that you love one another, right? That you live out this sacrifice. You would give of yourself, that you would be able to say, Jesus is my command. Jesus commands me, and so I give you my life, Jesus. I obey you. See, Jesus in John 13, he says, um, I give you this new command, love as I have loved. And then John in 1 
John chapter 3 um, reminds us of this command. Um, it's no longer a new command, but it's a command that we've heard from the beginning of when we trusted Christ, when we begin to grow in our faith, that we would lay down our life for others, that we would love our brother as evidence of our faith, as an outflow of our faith. John chapter 10, uh, we see that uh, Jesus reminds us that he is the good shepherd and he lays down his life for his sheep. And this is the kind of love we're to have. It's a sacrificial love that mirrors the love that Christ showed us. Listen, Jesus did what he needed to do in order to save us. And we have everything we need, that First Peter or Second Peter passage says, for life and godliness. And so we're no longer waiting to fulfill this cause that God has called us to um, in Jesus, to, to let Jesus be our command and follow through on obedience. Okay, so we love in the body of Christ. We love beyond the body of Christ in the world for everyone um, who needs Jesus in the world that's in front of us. And we love with boldness. As we connect to Jesus, we abide in him, we take up his cause, we fulfill his purpose. That's for all of us who are believers. God is calling us to that. We're to take up the cause of Christ. But in order for us to take up the cause of Christ, we have to belong to the cause. If we're going to fulfill the call of Christ and Christ be our purpose, we need to belong to Jesus. It's hard for us to do the things of God and honor God with our life if we don't yet belong to him, if we don't belong to him. And so we need to respond to the call of Jesus first and foremost to new life, new life in him. Because here's the truth, and I know you've heard it this week, I want to reiterate to you the truth of the gospel is that we are broken by sin. Romans chapter 3, we read that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, what God intends, that life in him. We all fall short. We have sinned. We are separated in relationship from him. We go on to read in uh, Romans chapter 6 that we're in need of a savior in order to give us life and, and save us from eternal death, that second death that we talked about, that Jesus is the gift that God has given us, the gift unto salvation. And knowing that the wages of sin what we earn for our sin by being born into sin, separated from God is death forever. But God's given us a gift, right? He's made a way for us in Jesus. Romans chapter 5, verse 8, that God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So how do we place our faith and trust in Jesus. We come to him in response, and we believe in our hearts that God raised Jesus from the dead. We confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord. I stake my life on him. I give my heart to him. I ask him to come into my life and save me. God, I'm a sinner in need of a savior, and God, I can't make it without you. You're the only one who fulfills my need, not only for satisfaction and life and belonging, but God, you forgive me and you give me purpose in you. This is what God calls us to. It's what God calls us to. And so we need to call on him. We need to trust him. Romans 10, 13, for all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so as we think about purpose tonight, there's an invitation to purpose. And my question for you tonight is this, are you ready? Are you ready? And then what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? If God is drawing you to life in him, what are you waiting for? Tonight could be your night of salvation. 
And so in a moment, when we have the invitation, I'm going to ask Bailey and the guys to come out, and we're going to wrap up in, in a time of response to the invitation that God gives us tonight. And so God, from his word, is making things clear to us, and he's saying, hey, come to me, trust me for salvation. Maybe for some of us tonight, um, it's, it's that he's calling us, we have a relationship with him, and he's calling us to fulfill that purpose. And maybe some of you um, are, are feeling a pull on your life, and you're a growing, maturing believer, and you're, you're wanting to be serious about the Lord, but you know God has something more for you, and you're feeling that. Listen, shortly after I became a believer, I knew that God was drawing me into something else, and that was to give my life to a vocational type of ministry. And I, I want to make one thing clear. We're all called to ministry. We're all called to serve. But there are some of you who are called into a different type of ministry to serve vocationally that way, to give your life to it in some way, shape, or form. And maybe tonight for you to respond to the purpose of God that God's called you to, the cause of Christ, is for you to say, I'm going to give my life to this in this way. And all of us as believers, we should be letting God examine our hearts to say, God, teach me how to be a minister in my life each and every day, each and every day. But tonight as we think about responding to the call of Christ in our life, um, responding to this, this call to salvation in Jesus, how many of you would say you want to be connected to the cause? You want to have purpose bigger than yourself? You want to connect with, with Jesus and you'll say tonight that you open your, your heart to Christ. By admitting your sin, acknowledging that you're a sinner in need of a Savior, by believing on the name of Jesus, that God raised him um, and, and, uh, from, from the dead, that he gave his life for us, and you would confess him as, as Lord, you would confess him as Savior, and you would trust him for salvation. Right now, all around the room, I'm not going to have you uh, bow your heads, but I do want to ask this. If that's you tonight, would you just be bold and you would say, Todd, that's how the Lord's speaking to me. I need to give my life to Christ. Would you pray for me? Anyone raise their hand? All over the room. Anyone? Be bold enough to do that tonight. Students anywhere. Any adults in the room? Tonight, the Lord's calling you to salvation. And in just a moment, when we stand and we sing, you're going to have an opportunity to come forward and talk to someone about how to start that relationship with Jesus to call out uh, to him in faith and give your life to him, to trust him. Even if you didn't raise your hand, when we stand, it's time for you to come and you know it, don't wait. Nothing's holding you back, so just come. If you're saying, that's me, I need Jesus, tonight's the night for you. So I want to do this. I'm going to pray for us. And we're going to stand and sing. And as soon as we stand in just a moment, I want you to step out. If you need to respond to the gospel tonight, give your heart and life to Christ. You come when we sing. Let's pray. Father, you're a good God and we love you. We thank you that you give us life in Christ and you offer that to us. God, I thank you for those in this room that have given their life to you and God are seeking to fulfill that purpose. But God, challenge us, each and every one of us, where we are tonight individually, that you would have your way in our hearts and lives and that we would follow you in obedience. And so God, when we stand and sing, I pray that you would uh, let these students, let their hearts feel free to respond to you how you're calling them to respond and this will be a safe place for them to say, I want Christ in my life. I want to open my heart to Jesus tonight. We commit this time of response to you. Have your way in us. Have your way with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. 